This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, what's up? And today we're joined by a stranger from another quadrant. Well, he can go to another quadrant, but then he comes back, because it's not like not like Charlene. She was from another quadrant. I- anyway, it's Matt Rushing. Hey, uh, can I get some Ractagino? What? Uh, we don't serve that here. Yeah, it's you Klingon know. coffee. You guys don't you don't have that here? Sorry. Klingons where? People yeah. keep asking for it, but you know. They are Klingons and we do not speak of it. So just <laughs> let it go, guys. Yep. Yep. Well, we're continuing this uh sort of semi series that we've been doing. We're concluding this semi series yeah. that we've been doing where we talk to other hosts from around the network about episodes from their uh, shows or the shows which are their charge the, or whatever. The times when our show invaded their show, they're right. invading our shows for yeah. their shows. Yeah. When you watched this, I mean, did did you guys feel bad that my Klingon beat up your Klingon's ass? I just, <laughs> I... It, uh... it did seem that Worf was a lot stronger <laughs> than those yeah. other Klingons. Like he picks one up and just goes, yeah, it's, drops all, on the ground. it's awesome. <laughs> well, what we're talking about, in case you haven't figured it out from the conversation, is... Oh, we didn't even mention it. Eh, we're talking about an uh, uh, an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is entitled Trials and Tribulations. Believe it or not, probably one of three, maybe, episodes of Star Trek that I watched live. Yeah. Really? Wow. <laughs> That's... I watched Broken Bow live, and I watched this. Like my stepdad and I, you know, stayed up. We we didn't have like we literally didn't have knobs on our TV. We just used it as like a monitor. It was an old old TV, so we just had the VCR hooked up to the TV. It's just a monitor. But we we pulled the knobs out from storage and popped them in there and turned it to the Fox affiliate or whichever and. Uh, my friend who worked at the library printed me out like all the little thumbnails of all the preview images and everybody was getting me more hyped up for this thing for a show that I'd never seen before. Well, and it, that's funny because I, I I totally remember this. Yeah, this is such a huge, it's 30th anniversary and they're going to mm-hmm. do this whole thing. And of course I've been reading, you know, the uh, communicator, ep, you know, issues about this and they're, you know, DS9 is going to have it, and Voyager is going to do it, its thing, and this was, uh, oh my gosh, this was one of the pinnacle moments, I think, for me as being a Star Trek fan, I think, aside from probably seeing First Contact in the theater six times, this was the, like, the high note, um, because, I mean, DS9 ending was, was a great end, but it was also so bittersweet, but this was just, like, for me, the pinnacle. 
it's weird because I guess it was kind of similar for me too in that, I mean, I wouldn't call it like a pinnacle, but it's it came at a time when my interest in Star Trek was beginning to sag, you know? Uh, I was basically Is that because you were wearing the baggy pants back then, the baggy jeans, or it was the nineties. Yeah. All I wore back then is sweatpants, and I'm not kidding. Um, I was the biggest nerd in the world. Um, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they were kind of baggy. But regardless of that, no, I mean I was suffering from franchise fatigue. I really was. You know, I had thrown myself into the world of Star Trek so hardcore for at that point probably about three years and it was getting to a point where i was just like all right all right i get it i get it guys cool and also um it's like while while voyager had like set times and everything like that i mean i've talked about this a lot but um chicago was not kind to deep space nine it aired on wgn which also aired the chicago cubs games and it chose to air Deep Space Nine at like four o'clock on Saturday afternoons. No lie. That was their time slot. And that was also usually right around the time that the Cubs were playing, which meant Deep Space Nine got preempted and you could never find it. You could never find that show. It wasn't like the Cubs were going to win anyway. It didn't even matter. (laughs) You're preaching to the choir here, man. But uh, yeah, regardless, that was the situation. And You know, this was one of those moments, you know, it was the 30th anniversary and there were a few things that were going on. And this was one of those moments where I was like, I'm tuning into this, you know, I'm I'm making a big deal of this. And I remember, yeah, the day that it aired, I watched it live. I went over to my aunt's house to watch it with my aunt and my cousin. And she's the one who got me into Star Trek in the first place. And, you know, I brought over Trouble with Tribbles. We watched that beforehand and then we watched this live and it really was great. I'll say it made I, me excited about Star Trek again. I didn't get the the franchise fatigue at that point. I don't I don't think I got it until I'm probably by the time Voyager was starting to end. And you know, I'll, I'll be very honest. You know, I, I, I Voyager kept my interest because they brought Seven of Nine on, and I was a teenager. I, there's, <laughs> it's just the way it was. So you were the target audience. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly who they were trying to get to keep to watch the show. Um, so it didn't really get to that point till, yeah, I I think when Nemesis came out in the theater and I walked out disappointed, that's when franchise fatigue hit me. I was like, I, I don't even know what to do now. This is terrible. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. My whole life wasted. No, it wasn't that bad. It was just like, (laughs) you know, I, okay, this is, this is run its course for at least this crew and. Um, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole that's a different podcast. I'm sorry, guys. Let's let's <laughs> no, talk okay. some TOS okay. and and some we, Deep Space Nine. We can go off topic. It's fine, you know. I'm but welcome uh, to yeah. Standard Orbit Off Topic. I'm your host Matthew Rushing, and here <laughs> I am getting Mike and Drew off topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Someone has to, you know. Um. So yeah, I. I loved I loved this episode when it came out, and I and I love it now. I mean, I think we're all pretty much in agreement of that. Oh yeah, I yeah. I I was I told my wife, you know, I've got to watch an episode of Star Trek tonight before we record, and she's like, uh, "Which one?" I was like, "Well, it's the Deep Space Nine episode where they go back to Trouble with Tribbles." And she's like, "Oh, I like that one." 
And I was like, okay, whatever. But she's, you know, having to pay bills, and I usually have to be very quiet. So I, you know, pull out my iPad and plug in my headphones. She's like, what are you doing? Put put it on the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I recently came to this realization. Actually, it was just this week, you know, where something like Trials and Tribulations, right? Well, a flashback, for example. Flashback. I was like, I need to rewatch this episode um, because we're going to be talking about it. But trials, the tribul- trials and tribulations. I'm like, I, I actually, I, I don't need to watch this episode. I was this I close to so not well. watching it all. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. then and then I'm thinking about like you know a couple weeks down the road, I, I I'm going to be talking about Robert Block and what are little girls made of and and cat's paw, and I'm like, well, I have to watch those episodes. And the thing that I'm starting to realize is, you know, podcasting sucks <laughs> because the stuff that you want to talk about and you think oh this is going to be an excuse to watch this thing that i love when push comes to shove you're like well i've got other s- stuff to do i've got to watch these things that i hate instead so that i can actually talk about them <laughs> because i can talk about that other thing no problem so podcasting is all about watching a bunch of crap that you hate uh, that's that's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here um, and and say that that's not true because one I watched this episode even though I didn't need to because I have seen it probably more than most Star Trek episodes ever because you can really just pop this in any time but I I don't have that problem on the 602 club so maybe you're just doing something wrong Drew and and Mike come on guys you know yeah. you know what I was doing instead of 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 watching this this thing I was reading a, a freaking book for your show okay so, uh, <laughs> hey so that book is up. excellent so you have we'll nothing discuss to, that to thank in a little me. bit, bit. Uh, but yeah this is I I I don't know would you guys put this in your like top 5 uh, maybe Star Trek episodes ever would this make it to the top five or at least the top ten? Definitely the top ten. It's a really interesting question because I've been thinking about this a lot for um, other podcasts, which we'll be doing in the future. And I'm like, you know, it's it's I have this. There's this weird thing where it's like you you the, the episode, especially with a show like Deep Space Nine where it's very much like a continuing story and everything like that. And you watch it and you look at it as a cohesive whole and say, you know, this is clearly the best uh, Star Trek show of all time and one of the best series ever in, in television history. What what makes it great also sort of makes it um, usual. You know, there aren't it's it's not like Next Generation or the original series where there are uh, specific episodes which stand out you know, because they shouldn't. It should be one thing. And the episodes that do stand out, I mean, there's tend to stand out for for weird reasons. And, um, you know, I I saw, um, well, Iris Stephen Bear was talking about um, people's favorite episodes. And, you know, someone said like, oh, one of my favorite episodes is, you know, like Call to Arms or something like that. I don't even know. And he's like, that's a really good episode. And the thing that I love about that is it's a Deep Space Nine episode. People always talk about like Far Beyond the Stars and Trials and Tribulations. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I love those episodes too. But sometimes I kind of just wish people would say, you know, my favorite episode is this because it does what Deep Space Nine does really well instead of doing something really weird and crazy. And 
I heard that and I'm like, there's really something to that. But at the same time, re, my, my gut reaction is, you know, to say like something like this is the best episode of Deep Space Nine. Well, mm-hmm. that's... And it's like I have a, a really hard... It's, it's sort of like this internal struggle. And then I just end with saying like, well, in the pale moonlight because it's both. That, that make that's, any sense? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of good episodes of Deep Space Nine that stand out, though, that I think, and they do what Deep Space Nine does. You know, I, I think um, The Visitor is one that's a complete standout, but nobody else on any other Star Trek series could really do that because you don't have that father-son relationship. Um, yeah, but you know, that's So Deep not, Space I mean, Nine is making use of, of what it has that other series don't. Um, and I mean, it's making use of it. I mean, but yeah, but that to me, just like far beyond the stars is making use of what they have. But that's not like a tr- true deep space nine in the formulaic sense. And I I mean that in the best possible well, and that's, way. But I would argue that one of the things about deep space nine that makes it special is that it doesn't really have a huge formula. It does a lot of things that the other shows just didn't do. It, they weren't willing to touch, you know. I mean, that's what makes it so cool is that it really has this different feel to it. And, you know, you get um, you get religion talked about in a way that's not just making it something it can push over. Um, you know, uh, you get politics talked about on all different sides from many different places. Um, you know, you get... A war talked about in a way that Star Trek's never touched like this. Um, so, I mean, it just does all these really interesting... You even have family and, and re- actual relationships. And these characters have relationships. You know, so, it does a lot of different things. And I think probably the pinnacle of what it does is in the pale moonlight. I mean, it goes where no other Star Trek show was willing to go. And that's why, for me, that's the best, I think, Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with that, but at the same time, you know, there is, even with all that stuff involved, there is like a baseline, you know, there is something which is considered to be what the show is, you know, and there is deviations from that, and there's maybe a lot of deviations, but there is something to be said for how good the baseline is as well, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I think the baseline, which strangely enough, even more than TNG or any other Star Trek shows except for the original maybe is that it is the exploration of the human adventure the and, and what it means to be human in the time period that you live in um and this is the exploration of the 24th century and what it's actually like to live in it um and not just move through it and i think yeah. that's what sets that's its baseline that's what sets it apart from everything else and i think I mean, it's I, what makes it so relevant and special even today. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I guess I was thinking more from like a, a formal point of view, but but yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Sure. So yes, so in answer to your question, like is this one of the top 10 episodes of Star Trek of all time? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, with Drew. I'd count, say I mean, it's at least top 10, if not okay, I mean, top here's five. the thing. It's like, do do you count like the final arc as one episode? Or do you count it as 10 or 9? Because if you count it as 9, then no, this doesn't fit in there. Because those 9 episodes as a, like a whole are better than this. And then that takes up 9 slots right there. You know what I mean? That's why, that's why it's so hard. That's why it's so hard for me to do this. But it's really good. Let's, let's put it that way. It's really good. 
<laughs> for Mike, that's like high praise. That's that's like yeah. five stars, guys. So just take it and, and go. Uh, this is definitely yeah. This is definitely like a on, on a five star scale. This would be a five star episode for sure. Yeah. I f- I find that when Mike finds something okay, that actually means it's really good. And when Mike really likes something, it means it's okay. Yeah. See, you. This is weird that that this is the the impression that people get of of me here because on like my other show, I'm known as the cheerleader who loves everything, and everyone's like, "What's wrong with you? Why don't you? Why do you like everything?" That's what I'm trying I, to say. You like, you know, <laughs> you love a lot of things. Lost world and really things like that, that that nobody else understands. So yeah, I I give it to you, Mike. You you do love a lot of things that. Plenty of get. people understand why Lost World is a masterpiece. Okay, let's get back to Star Trek. <laughs> All right, let's not get into that. Okay. You All can right. listen to the 602 Club if you want to hear us argue about that. <laughs> so, Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, one of the things that I love about this episode, of course, is... Um, I mean, well, I mean, there's the obvious, you know, the idea of it's like, hey, this is fun because it, we're we're not only entering the original series, but we're entering what is probably the best episode of the original series, Trouble with Tribbles. And it's a fun episode to begin with, and it allows you to have fun in the episode. And the 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 choice the choice that they made to sort of bring the characters back and place them here, especially for like a 30th anniversary show, is very much sort of allowing the viewer to see the original series through the the cast of Deep Space Nine's eyes. You know, they are just as much fanboys as we are, and and that's kind of great. I mean, Dax in particular is certainly, you know, the the voice of, of the fans in this episode. And she's like, but it's Captain Kirk. I mean, how many times have, have you said that just in life? But it's Captain Kirk. You know, and here she is saying it because, I mean, that's what you say when you're talking about Captain Kirk. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I really, really love that. And, and it is kind of fun because just like fans, you know, they like to cosplay. And we're seeing that, I mean, in a lot of ways, it really is sort of like a fan episode in that even... The characters on the screen are just being a bunch of fanboys, and that's kind of great. It is something that's really special about this episode, and and as we talked about, you know, and you talked about with Char, they both did 30th anniversary episodes, and I think that the Deep Space Nine writers really solidified that they loved the original series, and it's, I mean, Ira and... Ronald D. Moore, I mean, those were the guys that got in so much trouble most of the time, and, and that's why Ira left the origin, uh, the next generation because of the issues that were with the writing and everything. I mean, those guys loved TOS. They, they're they the TOS fanboys, um, and, and in a lot of ways, the way that Manny Cotto was on, on Enterprise, he got there, he was the TOS fanboy um, and really took that show in a direction everybody wanted to see with. This is... I mean, if you want to talk love letter to a f- to the fans, this is probably Star Trek's best love letter to the fans. And I think the way that they approach it with such reverence and fun and awe and 
I mean, you're talking about Dax and, I mean, everybody here and then Julian being the new guy who doesn't really know this time period, but he thinks he likes it after he sees Dax in that outfit. Um, and he might have to meet Lieutenant Watley uh, for her physical. I mean, yeah, this is... It's a love letter to fans, and I think that's why everybody responded to it so well because we felt completely respected, you know? Um, and it it became a great... Re- like, this is like... This is why it's legitimate to be a Star Trek fan. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I've always appreciated about Trials and Tribulations is the fact that it is a Deep Space Nine episode, but they... They wrote it so that you could just jump in. Because I watched it like mm. three or four mm-hmm. times before I'd ever watched Deep Space Nine. You know, because I'd never seen an episode before and I'm watching this episode. And, you know, the 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 framework with the with the agents and so Cisco has to explain things like, well, we took the Defiant and the Defiant has a cloaking device. And then, you know, we found an orb and an orb is this. And like, so he has to explain it to them and they're kind of the audience surrogate for the beginning. And and I like that it goes out of its way to be like for the, the people coming in from the outside, but then for the people coming in from the inside for TOS, you've got just everything. You know, they rebuilt all those different sets and they added corridor extensions and put O'Brien like right in the lineup of the people getting interrogated and kirk talks to him like that's just cool it's you can kind of see the seams now you know 20 years later which really hurts me i wish that they i wish that we could get remastered ds9 if only to get that far so that we could have that with the take the original film from tos and the original film from the blue screens and cut them out you know in with 2015 2016 technology uh be so great it's better than forrest gump it does look better than forrest gump i'm with you all i can think every time i watch this is that i want like a special blu-ray edition where they take the original series episode and the deep space nine episode and they do the whole episodes both of them Mm-hmm. So they all interplay together as one big, long, you know, like hour and a half movie. Like that would just be so cool to have the entire thing play side by side because, you know, one of the best parts about this, I think, was is there anything, any, I, the question beforehand, can anybody add anything to the tr- trouble with Tribbles? I mean, could could you make this episode better? I, I don't think anybody thought you can't, that you yeah. could add anything to this episode. But then the Deep Space Nine writers go and they add something to this episode so that every time you watch the original series now, all you can think in certain scenes are like, oh, that's where Dax and, you know, um, Captain Sisko are going to be. Oh, wait, that they're going to be the ones throwing tribbles on Kirk's head. So, I mean, you, you can't not picture, and they've added something completely new and fun. I don't think anybody would have ever thought, you know, before this, uh, you 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 can't you can't fix perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't know, but I'd say that they made it more perfect um, because now whether you're watching either one, you're they're so completely connected now. It's it's a really wonderful thing. Okay, so so my question is, which which version is canon? Because we've got 
we've got an extra hallway where where Dax and Cisco are working on stuff behind Kirk and Spock that's not there in the original. We've got you know people in the bar room seeing like which version actually happened. Though I'm sure that you know with alternate timelines and stuff, it really doesn't matter. They're both canon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the set stuff, but in terms of like the character interaction and like O'Brien or not O'Brien or whatever, to me, it's very much like the timeline starts with the original series, goes all the way up until you get to Deep Space Nine, and then they go back and change it. So it's like a, you know, it splits off, I guess. So it is an alternate timeline, just like the agents fear. I mean, I I guess either either that or, or this is the first time through, but I don't think it's like a a continuous loop you know right it's not like like the 12 monkeys thing i mean (laughs) no it doesn't matter i mean i kind of (laughs) i guess from what i was saying i I kind of now even if i'm just watching you know the the original series i'm imagining the other deep space nine stuff still Mm -hmm. happening so to me that's that's the canon one and when you're watching the original series you're just focusing on the original series characters instead of the Deep Space Nine characters, and that's just the separation, which is really nice because you can still, for the most part, really watch both, and it, it's it's not that different. I, I mean, I who knew that that really long look off to his left mm-hmm. that Kurt gives with the Tribble was going to come into play so he could stare yeah, at Terry Hatcher, that's... and you know what was going through Kirk's mind there. Not only why did I sit on this damn thing, but also, ooh, is she new? <laughs> <laughs> what what you were saying uh, a little while ago drew about like this being uh an episode that people can watch without having seen anything else i think is kind of interesting and i think that that was sort of a key component to this working because it is a 30th anniversary celebration for the entire franchise and it needs to be something which is accessible to everyone even people who aren't fans of deep space nine and I think the other thing that, that they did, which was really smart on their part, was by making it accessible like that and by doing something which would uh, really sort of um, pay tribute to what has come before, you have the opportunity here to sort of gain viewers you know, who may not have, have, have watched Deep Space Nine up until this point and, and try to hook them in, uh, into uh, you know, what the show is really all about which is kind of cool. Well, it's one of the... I mean, it is the only show in the 24th century era that really referenced TOS and TOS things consistently. I mean, yeah. they would they would mention the Andorians in one, uh, you know, episode, and they would mention this in the next episode. They, you know, they they were very cognizant of of the entire Star Trek universe. I mean, you know, obviously during the war, they mentioned Beta Z and things like that. So they're really... They had no idea what was going on on Voyager, yeah. though, I guarantee Yeah, well, that. no. But nobody cared. Um, yeah, and yeah. so, because they didn't even know they were lost. I I, no, I, I didn't mean that derogatorily to the show. I right. just meant... That they just assumed... They, they didn't that, know that the show was lost. I don't know. They uh, went the that way. The ship was lost like that. They yeah. They come back yet. Uh, they went that way. Badlands. Uh, yeah, they. I think they took a right. So, um, but... I, I I think that that again it really came through that you know we're gonna celebrate Star Trek and they do that by going back to you know the quintessential Star Trek episode that even if you're not a Star Trek fan you probably heard of Tribbles 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you know who Kirk and Spock and McCoy are. So they just, they do it so well. And that, I'm a little, I'm a little sad that they didn't go back um, to the gangster planet from a piece of the action. Yeah, because that was, that was a good That idea. was the original plan. Um, and that would have been kind of fun to see that, but uh, a little harder for non-super fans, I think, to get into. So I think they made the right choice. But, you know, I would have loved to have seen Cisco trying to learn Thisbin. <laughs> well, but they it wouldn't have been a gangster planet anymore. It would have been a Trekkie planet. Right. Well, that's, ju- that's true. Um, hopefully yeah. they would have still played Thisbin, though. So uh, perhaps, it was taught perhaps. by the, one of the new people. They probably would... <laughs> It would have been the religion. So, so, so what do we what <laughs> do we think about religion? this? <laughs> so, so what do we think about this uh, from an original series perspective? Uh, as someone who you know maybe hasn't seen any of Deep Space Nine coming in and saying like, "Well, I want to see this sidebar adventure of uh, Kirk and Spock and whatnot." What do you guys think? I mean, Drew, since since that's what you how you watched that was it, exactly my point of view. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't remember much from twenty years ago. I'm sorry, uh, mm. it, my exact feelings. But but going going at it now, I really appreciate like because we've been talking about with with everybody else whether the characters had watched TOS or not. You know, just joking mm-hmm. like you know maybe they've got uh, live action mission replays that that they all grew up with, and you know. Janeway's just like I've seen a few episodes, and Jordy had seen enough to know who Scotty was, and that was about it. But this is the first one where the characters really realize the importance of what they're, who they're interacting with. Oh yeah, in Deep Space Nine, they totally binged watched that. Oh yeah, that, well, that I mean, crap. at least Cisco yeah. and Dax. I feel like maybe they they may have watched some of it together, but. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can picture Tom Paris watching it on his TV. Oh yeah, Tom quarters, Tom. So yeah. But he didn't they didn't really get he didn't get the opportunity to play with anybody from there. No, he didn't. I, I get the feeling that O'Brien watched a little bit, like enough to be like Kirk wears a yellow shirt. There's mm-hmm. that, that that guy's Kirk. Mm-hmm. And Bashir mm-hmm. Bashir, I think, was he too busy. Yeah. Too busy studying even for medical. Medical. He was watching know, Game like, of Thrones and yeah, and the ladies <laughs> <laughs> and the aliens. You know, Worf is just like Kirk. Who? Yeah. Odo's yeah. just like Federation. Kirk past who? Is that a new what? BBC show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Kira, we don't really get her opinion on it. She didn't no. seem. She's, preg- no, she's, she's preggers she's and she's on the yeah. Defiant, so she doesn't really get to play with you know the rest of them i'll imagine that she's watching the old episodes while they're doing their Mm -hmm. mission yeah yeah that's why it took her a while when he does the you know the the nice little flip there with the communicator for her to answer you know she's like (laughs) oh pause it uh uh, xbox pause (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i mean i I think it does work pretty well as as you know a, a tos episode for someone who hasn't seen deep space nine before i mean obviously you don't know who these characters are or what they're doing but um it gives a, a nice kind of sidebar story to what's going on in the main story and uh that's that's kind of fun um i don't know it's it's interesting like every i think it's in the companion or something like that where they talk about the music and how it's like 
you know, they, they had asked uh, Bear, like, do you want us to do, like, original series music? And he's like, no, it's Deep Space Nine. Make it Deep Space Nine music. And I guess I kind of see the logic there, but at the same time, I mean, you're not using Deep Space Nine lighting mm-hmm. or, or film like stacks, that. even. Yeah. So, you know, why why wouldn't you make it, you know, maybe have it, you know, Deep Space Nine when you're not yeah. on K7 or something. But, you know. That'd be cool. Whatever. I mean, it's a choice. I read I know? read that uh, they they if they had had extra money, they were going to redo the end credits and do the original series theme and have sh- still shots from random episodes of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That How do they not have the money awesome. for that? I, I would have done know. that for free. I, I had that access awesome. to an editing system back then. <laughs> this is a consistent know? problem, though, with Star Trek. Them not giving the money to do the things that would be cool. Yeah. Like, well, they did it's for their this. their fault. I mean, we're talking... I mean, this is movie-level effects. They they rebuilt the original... Like, how many other episodes where it's like, oh, well, you know, not only are we going to build a couple new models, well, we're going to build a couple new models that are exact replicas of models from the 60s, and then we're going to scan the film from the 60s using our 1990s technology and then digitally insert actors into it. Like, the fact that they were able to get this greenlit, I guess Paramount and CBS cared about Star Trek back then. It's 30th anniversary you you want people to deal. care about Star oh, Trek yeah. at that point. So, and this yeah. is still the golden age. I mean, it really is uh, where where you are with the 30th anniversary. So it's very important and, for them. And here we are to get this 20 right. 20 years later, and they're like, "You'll get a movie, maybe, if we don't delay it again." I blame Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, why? <laughs> Because uh, some you think it killed Nemesis. I think Nemesis. I remember going to see Nemesis and thinking like, "There's no one here," and then seeing people stream out of Lord of the Rings, which came out like two days prior, and thinking like, "Well, that makes sense." I mean, not that people are going to see Lord of the Rings, but yeah, okay. Well, I guess this franchise is dead. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) R.I.P. It's really kind of sad. But what can you do? But that's also because it was Star Nemesis. Trek Nemesis got thirty-seven percent reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, the the movie was not good. So that I mean, the that's reviews a... weren't in at that point. I mean, that's never stopped Star Trek before. I mean, Star Trek is uh, well, what stopped proof, it before you know? was that's Insurrection. Not true. I mean, look at Insurrection, and it didn't have great reviews either, and it didn't do great. So that's why they switched the the. The formula again to go try and do a new wrath of they switched Khan. the formula like, back guys. to the original formula <laughs> exactly which was just let's redo wrath of Khan. Uh, yeah but i i think oh, well. i think that you know for tos fans like drew said this episode does a fantastic job of introducing you to everything you need to know about deep space nine and not overwhelming you and mm-hmm. making you feel comfortable with what's going on. And I think one of the ways they do that is that this there's no super techno babble about how they travel back in time. Nope. There's an orb. You know, it's a thing. Have, it yeah. goes. It's a yeah, exactly. And 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 it's like it makes so much sense without having to have some long voyager like explanation of how they got back. No, it's an orb and this is what it does. It's the orb of time, you know, so it like Okay, all right. Exactly Let's, what it says know, on the box, the orb of time. It's it's the best like time travel episode in Star Trek, if you ask me, because 
it makes the most sense for why they're actually traveling in time. You know, it's a mystical box by these prophets who are outside of space and time. Of course it can make you travel yeah. back in. And like, how do past. they get back to the future? Oh, Kira figured it out. They just kind of yeah, wave it off just like exactly. Kira figured it out. No worries. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like the fact that they just don't care. You know, I mean, that seems to be the attitude throughout, like with the Klingon foreheads and stuff. They're like, yeah, you know, we don't talk about, it. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's 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 kind of great. They're like, look, guys, just shut up. Stop being so nerdy, okay? <laughs> you just want to see them interact with Kirk and, and Spock, right? Okay, that's why we're here. So just yeah. shut up, and, you know? But they had that. <laughs> Let us do our thing, they man. They had that built in you know the the mysticism and the prophets and all that kind of stuff that they could just do that with no techno babble explanation you know like like yeah. tng spends you know uh you know 15 or 20 minutes explaining the it doesn't really you know the oh the transporter loop and then it, there's a buffer and then it goes back in the buffer and then it goes back down and it's been doing that forever and then the 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 voyager one where the only thing they could come up with was i don't know memories <laughs> oh my god let's not talk about that uh, episode because it's just but this one you know they, they had it all built in it just doesn't work built in right from the beginning we you know from the pilot their orbs and their prophets and weird stuff happens weird time stuff i mean like it's built in from the beginning that linear. anything could happen yeah well, yeah. and that's the other beautiful thing is that, you know, you, you were talking about they don't care, but I think it's not that they don't care. It's they're winking at the audience. Like, you know the reason the Klingons look different. We know the reason the Klingons look different. So we're going to just create a humorous moment between Worf and the rest of the crew. It's it's not that we don't care. It's just this is funnier if we do it this way, you know, yeah. than going yeah. into the explanation, which I, I like the explanation later from Enterprise, but this moment plays better in this episode because yeah. it's humorous. Mm -hmm. It fits with this whole TOS, you know, milieu that we're now in. So, uh, again, these guys understand what they're doing and what they're creating, and it's what makes this episode so special. Now, now yeah. that I think about the prophets and how they live outside of time, uh, how how does Kira figure out how to use the orb of time? Like, I imagine she has to, like, talk with a prophet and be like, you know, I need to go here at this time. Time? What is time? No, you you don't understand. Like, how did Darwin figure that out? Like, you'd think he'd be like, where'd Darwin go? Oh, he's been in that room for, like, 12 hours. He keeps yelling. I think the orb of, yeah, I think the orb of time, maybe, it seems like it might kind of work like uh, the... The guardian, the edge of forever. Right, that's what I'm. Like, that's what I'm that, actually that's, thinking. That's what but. I picture. Yeah, is that it? Kind of works something like that. It's it through that orb runs all of space and time, and it can take you where you want to go. Maybe it's how the guardian forever is yeah. powered or something. But but we can't we can't leave Ooh. without talking about yeah. my favorite scene, which is Julian and Miles in the turbo lift debating on whether or not Julian is his own grandfather. <laughs> that's always been my favorite bit forever and then the when i started watching deep space nine it's like those are the guys in that elevator and then i'm like oh oh that seems so much even even better now that i know these characters yeah it's pretty funny it's good that does show a good sense of humor you know it's when... it's the darkest of all the star trek shows but it's also the funniest when julian's like 
I want to see the look on your face when we get back to the station and you realize I've never been born. <laughs> and the look on O'Brien's face is just priceless. I mean, the, the interaction between those guys by that point was was just classic and one of the best parts of the show. So that is a very good moment for this this episode because they play off each other like none other. So that that line I I have, I have I always love that line because my mom does that to me all the time <laughs> because she's all and it's always like this morbid thing but whatever she always does it to me and it always cracks me up where they'll be like debating religion and I'll be like yeah it doesn't exist or you know none, none of this stuff exists and she's like you're crazy you know of course it exists and then it always ends with her saying I can't wait until you die. And you get up there, and I see the look on your face, and I get to say, I told you so. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> can't wait till I die. All right. <laughs> but yeah, and so every time I see that, I'm like, wow, he's just like my mom. <laughs> but That's yeah. unfortunate. Nah, hey, cool. O'Brien's pretty cool, though. I mean, not a bad person to, to emulate. I mean, he's loyal. He's friendly he's really good mechanic <laughs> he is yeah. the best it's true and he's in con air there you go well he's in a lot of things i mean yeah guys but in, con air yeah. yeah con air i still con haven't con watched that con movie con that i found at dollar general that he's in i was like cole meany all right i bought it it was two dollars yeah Anyway, oh, all right. So, any final thoughts on trials and tribulations? It's the best. Yeah. yeah. Enough said. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Well, um, I am on the interwebs uh, a few places. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. Um, I do that Instagrammy thing, takes pictures of stuff uh, at MRushing. Uh, you can also find me on The Orb, where I do talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine exclusively with Christopher Jones. And I really appreciate what you had to say tonight, Mike, uh, talking about how Star Trek Deep Space Nine was the best Star Trek show, because it means I don't have to say it. But if you need some more proof, just come on over to The Orb. We'll help you out. Um, you can also find me on the 602 Club, a uh, great place. We just talk about all things geeky, uh, with something new, something old, borrowed, blue. I mean, we don't, we haven't talked about Andorians yet, but we're a non-Star Trek show because we have a lot of those on the network. So join us there for some fun. Mike's on that show pretty frequently. So, uh, if you like Mike, I think you'll, you'll enjoy the show. I like when he's on. He, he adds a lot of flavor. Thanks. And uh, yeah, definitely. So those are Hopefully the places you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> We'd like to thank Matt for coming on. But talking to Matt about Deep Space Nine is not the only topic we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And the Slaver Weapon's the only episode of the original with uh, no Kirk in it. Nope, I'm not there no yet. Spoilers. Wait, there's no Kirk in that one? I, 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 no. I didn't even know. I'm going to have to it, check that it out. It completely takes place starting off with the shuttlecraft and only the people that are in the shuttle. Earl Grey. 
Contraction free, it's soon's guarantee. <laughs> I've got to get married? <laughs> no. The orb. Well, apparently, and did you find this interesting, Matthew? Apparently, the Navark reports directly to the prophets. Which is awkward because they don't always show up for meetings. So, right. yeah. Plus, you never know what time the meeting is really going to be, right? That is true. It could have been yesterday and you might have missed it. The ready room. Do you think this episode would have been so popular and remain a fan favorite if the Enterprise had been overrun with zebra mussels? <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! It's, it's so average American. It's like Joe Smith. And no offense to Joe Smith, it's just, I could have tried a little harder. I mean, come on. Might as well call her Jane Doe. So far, not off to a good start. So far, I'm judging you, Shark. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Commentary, Trek stars. He just went into so much research about the details of putting together, like, the historical context of this show that it was really sort of astounding. The 602 Club. The young adult novels have their own um, framing devices that tie in to The Force Awakens. And I think that if they had uh, put those front and center, maybe even expanded one of them uh, or what have you, I think that would have served the strategy better. I definitely do. Literary treks. Well, that really is the bottom line, you know. And and I think it's particularly uh, difficult with this group of characters because in some ways you're looking at folks who literally are the brightest and the best, right? So um, in some ways we need them not to have feet of clay. We need them to be so much better and stronger than we are so that we have something to shoot for. Women at Warp. There's always a touchstone, and this was as close to a touchstone as they ever got with Pulaski. Plus she banged Riker's dad. (laughs) Oh, Andy. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just think it's so funny. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You can find them on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you want to listen to your podcasts. You can go to trek.fm slash podcast and get all the direct links. If you'd like to contact us and share your thoughts on today's show or any other show, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. Or you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. You can find Mike on Twitter at mumbles3k, and you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. You can also find Mike on his various podcasts, including Commentary Trek Stars right here on Trek.fm, and Commentary Track Stars at commentarytrackstars.com. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks, more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek of Him listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all the classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM.
We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. And if you want to join them in helping keep us in orbit, you can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer like them. You can find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment on the website. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Next week, episode 100. Don't miss it. But as for now, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.